Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. My name is Joss Golden and I am so happy that you're here. In this podcast series, I interview people who are passionate about parenting. We talk about many things to do with parenting and motherhood and explore the joys and challenges that we all face in our families. The aim of the podcast is to share more about aware parenting, to inspire us all on our parenting adventures, and to support us all to raise our children with more awareness, connection, and love. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. Today, I'm really delighted to be having a chat with Angela Wellman. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Angela. Thanks for having me. So Angela is a passionate women's events facilitator who loves connection, community, nature, parenting and sisterhood. She's the mother of four children ranging in age from 16 to two. So you've been busy for the last 16 years. (laughs) She's passionate about supporting mothers and creating deep sisterhood connections. She has a wide range of experiences delivering programs in the area of community building, cycle awareness, aware parenting, nonviolent communication, and nonverbal women's temples. She is an authentic and powerful communicator holding space for women at her regular events focused on self-care, nourishment, and deeper connection. Wow, that sounds amazing. And I'm so struck reading that, how important it is for all of us, particularly us mothers, to have more of this self-care, this more nourishment, this more deeper connection to each other. It's just so crucial. So what a beautiful way to spend your life. Yeah, yeah. And and in saying that, I think the reason I'm so passionate about these things is I'm actually really awful at doing these things for myself at home, you know. So it is something that's led from... I guess my inability at some times when I'm being mother to be able to access these things that I've really had to hone in and realize it's it's community, it's sisterhood that helps us also meet those needs. We can't do it just by ourselves. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. That's wonderful. <laughs> so are you able to start, Angela, by just telling us a little bit briefly about how you found aware parenting and how it came into your life and what it what it meant to you? Yeah, so aware parenting, it came to me at a time out of sheer desperation, actually. I was pregnant with my third. I was still not getting sleep with my second. <laughs> and I knew, you know, I I guess with, with my first two children, my first child I had done, I think I was very, I was young, I was 21. I remember bringing home this newborn baby and kind of going, oh, I don't actually know what to do with you. And so I went to the library, got out a book, I think it was Birthwise, and read this book and it told me I needed to, you know, train my child to sleep and I guess very naively and, I, you know, it was the number one book in Australia at the time. So I thought, oh, this is how you're supposed to do it. So, you know, I, I guess I had my first time parenting. I parented out of a book and it didn't feel good. Um, it was successful. My first son slept, but I, I think when he was about two, I started realizing, oh, this feels wrong. Something feels, you know, he, if he hurt himself, he'd run and get his teddy and his blanket. He wouldn't necessarily come to me. And I started investigating what's going on here. And that's when I found out about attachment parenting. So I did a full 180 (laughs) with my second child. I was continuum concept. 
I um, I learned and read about how you know, babies in Africa don't cry and I, I learned about baby wearing and co-sleeping. And so that stage in my parenting, I really loved. It felt so lovely to be like, oh, I can sleep with my baby and I can wear my baby. However, it was so challenging, so challenging. And my second was he, was, he was a very sensitive child as well, so there was other dynamics at play. But, yeah, I didn't get any sleep. So as much as the philosophy really sat with me, after two years of no sleep and then being pregnant with my third, I was like, there has to be another way. There just there has to be. And that's, um, yeah, where I came across the way parenting. And I haven't looked back. You know, it was just like, that missing puzzle piece for me to go, oh, yes, I can parent in this way. I can co-sleep. I can baby wear, but I'm also able to have some sleep. Like I can meet my needs for sleep and my baby can have sleep too, you know, and sleep soundly. So that was, yeah, it was it was a really um, important time and I'm, yeah, so grateful for aware parenting. Yeah. I did get sleep with my third baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story. It's so common that people say this is what they share, that they have this. It comes from desperation, really, and that so often women are coming to this way of parenting through this very deep love and passion for attachment parenting and all of the delights and beautifulness that that philosophy brings us. But the, the toll that it takes on us as well, because it's just not a sustainable way to be parenting and that we can see when we are observing our children's behavior, that it's not really meeting all their needs either. So there's this big missing piece. And yeah, that's that's such a common thing to hear. And yeah, that's exactly how it was for me too. That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Are you able to share a bit about what you loved about it most when you first started practicing it and what you saw in your children as a, as a thing? Because that's the other thing I love about it, where parenting is it allows us to, really encourages us to observe our children and to see you know, what their needs are and, and how these, these techniques and beautiful tools of aware parenting are supporting them. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was I didn't, I didn't realise how much pressure I had put on my children to want to be happy. Yeah. You know? and, and to actually finally invite, oh, these big feelings, these big feelings of rage and sadness and overwhelm are actually okay and we can have these feelings. Um, I mean, the immediate um, results when it came to my third, I think I was still very tentative about trying it because I didn't know anyone that did aware parenting at the time. When I spoke to people, they kind of didn't seem to grasp the concept and and so it was kind of like this secret thing I did <laughs> at home for quite a while and I think it was at about three months old. We moved house. I don't know what it is with me moving house when I have a young baby but it seems to be something I do. And so naturally, yeah, my third was starting to show signs of stress and and accumulated feelings. And I just, I did not believe the love I would feel and the this just bubble of connection Um, just by holding my baby and listening. It was like he would look at me in the eyes and be like, thank you, thanks for listening. And that, that place of peace after they've had that little, you know, that little newborn cries, you know, it feels so intense. But then when they're so still and their body's relaxed and they just go to sleep and they have this beautiful deep sleep and you're just feeling so connected to your child in that moment, 
you know, I, th- I don't think it's any going back from that because I just didn't have those kind of experiences when I was busy patting and shushing and trying to work out how to stop them crying. There was no connection there. There was this anxiety and stress. And so that for me was, yeah, it really made me go, yeah, this is right um, for, for us anyway. This felt so right. Mm. Mm. I love how you describe that, that sense of peace and connection and, and how powerfully that contrasts with that sort of desperate trying to resolve problems or placate your child or shushing and jiggling and all this sort of intense energy of that. Then it contrasts so beautifully with the yeah. spacious, beautiful, relaxed yumminess of listening. Yeah, yeah. To yeah. Yeah, and it definitely it was a bit like opening Pandora's box because I had to then become aware that my parenting isn't so much about my children. It's about me. It's about my childhood. It's about my, my I guess, my suppressions and my things that I was. So it was a big year when I found out about aware parenting. Um, naturally, I think like the universe just, I, I, I had the support, like things came in to help me during that time, but it wasn't easy. It definitely was a challenging year. Um, I loved parenting my third and I felt that I just had so much ease when it came to parenting him. And thank goodness, like he slept obviously really well because I, I really enjoyed listening to his feelings. So, but when it came to listening to my feelings and I, you know, I think I was 28 at the time. So 28 years worth of feelings that came up So it was a big year, the year I started Aware Parenting, because it was, there was a lot to, to, you know, discover and to actually release for myself. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And that was, that's again, a really common thing that people say is that sense of, this is all about my children. So that realisation, actually, this is all about me. (laughs) This is all my stuff. Okay. (laughs) Can't blame the child anymore. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit then about how, what that process looked like for you, if you're willing to share anything about how you started to meet your needs? Uh, look, I'll be honest, it, it got really gnarly and I don't think it was all, I can't say it was just because I did aware parenting. It was also, you know, I think I look back and it was probably postnatal depletion too. Having my third, I, um, yeah, I think I was quite depleted. I even was diagnosed with postnatal depression. However, I think it was, I, at the start, I was just so, I guess, stubborn. I wanted to fix this myself However, when things got really tough, there was a moment where I went, oh, I need extra help. And it was it was pretty tough. Like it was, you know, and I was diagnosed with postnatal depression. However, I got myself a great therapist. And I think after two sessions of seeing this therapist, it was like so much weight already had gone off my shoulders. It was simply I was making it so much harder on myself thinking I had to do this on my own, um, especially when I wasn't talking to people about how I want a parent because I felt like people didn't understand which is not the case, but I did at the time. I just felt really apprehensive about saying, oh, I, I listen to my child when they cry. I allow my child to cry. I I was so apprehensive because I didn't know anyone that did it. And I thought, oh, maybe this is the wrong thing. Like maybe I am doing some damage here. Um, so, yeah, which is why I love sharing about it now because I, I know that is not the case. Mm. <laughs> Mm. Well, we have all those doubts, don't we? And it's, you know, I think it um, connects in so much with our own 
stuff that we're going through around asking for help, having our feelings heard as children. And like, like you say, this sense of not being able to reach out for support because we should be doing it all our, on yeah. our own. We should be able to do this all as this, this sort of selfless mother um, <laughs> narrative in society. And, and then all of our stuff from our childhood too, that makes it so hard to reach out for help and hard to explain to people. Yeah. I listen to my children's feelings and I welcome all of their emotions. I loved how you said that right at the beginning, actually, about just you know, welcoming everything that comes that it's it's all beautiful and powerful and that you can listen to it all but then yeah it's tricky it's really hard to to offer that to ourselves and I think sometimes just that reaching out and that acknowledging to ourselves that we need that support and, and getting finding that listening from somewhere is just so powerful in itself because it then liberates us to be like it's okay we don't have to do this all on our own we we can reach out for help and when we see like the joy for our children of having their feelings heard it's very difficult not to not to want some of that ourselves totally totally and i think it it totally turned my world upside down it really made me look at my relationships it you know and how i show up and my authenticity and and yeah, and it's it really has helped shape me to become, you know, my true self. And I mean, I think a year and a half later there was a divorce. So there was, you know, lots of big changes. But also it was a time of me really allowing myself to feel my truth, speak up about things I wasn't happy about. And 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 I just started accessing accessing more and more support. So it felt like it was a hard time but I also got so much stronger by each time getting support. Um, I think that's when I really learned the power of sisterhood mm-hmm. and how, you know, we can't do this alone and actually being honest and going, I'm really struggling. And then you hear other women sharing the same. It just takes the load off. You're not carrying that burden by yourself. And I think that that time in my life has really helped shape you know, me knowing who I am and and allowing those big those big feelings were really just going, hey, you're off track, back on track, please. You're off track. This is this is not an alignment. Um, so yeah, it was a heavy time, but I'm so grateful mm. for that time. Mm. Yes, it's so powerful, isn't it, with aware parenting that we're listening to our children's feelings and we're meeting their needs and we're seeing their behaviour as a sign that they've got something to share or that they've got unmet needs or both. And then we can apply that same lens to ourselves that when we're feeling off track, when we're feeling overwhelmed and when we're not being the parent we want to be, we're like, oh, okay, here's a sign. We need some support. We need some more self-care. We need to take and be meeting our needs. And it's just such a beautiful parallel journey. Hard one, but it's a beautiful one, isn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it, isn't it funny? Like, you know, it's so easy to see in our children, oh, they seem full or they, yet I still, I'm better. I definitely have improved, but I still struggle to sometimes go, oh, wow, I'm really disconnected. I'm really hiding some, from some big feelings here. It's still something that I'm learning. However, I definitely know, I know the signs a bit better now. And also, you know, I'm in a loving relationship now where my partner can also be that beacon for me too as well and go, hey, I've noticed this. And and then I can go, oh, yeah, yeah, there's some stuff here. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. And I love that sense I'm getting from your words about that sort of curiosity. Oh, okay, there's something here. Yeah. And that openness to then diving into it a little bit. Yeah. Well, it always feels more nice when we, you know, it feels lovely when it's when we're in that space. I'm not always in that space. I will definitely be like <laughs> reflecting, go, oh, wow, I've really ignored this for a while. But yeah, when when we can be in curiosity and wonder, 
just and, and that that loving kindness, that loving kindness that we give to our children. It's just it's such an easy way to open the door, isn't it? It's just so much easier. Yet we like shut. I know I slam the door. Like I'm not going there. I'm not looking. So energy draining, and it's so exhausting. It's disconnecting from you know myself and the world. Yet simply loving ourselves, getting into our body, just being curious. It's just like that door just opens. And, oh, oh, that's not actually that big of an issue now. Yeah. Well, just actually just hearing you say that sentence, I could feel my whole body going, ah, it's so nice. Yeah, so nice. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about how it was then to start practicing aware parenting with your older children who hadn't been parented this way before? Oh, there was some, there was some real stuff ups. Let me tell you, (laughs) there was some real, I think, I think I got a little bit, I, I started being too controlling with it, you know, that you've got these big feelings, so I need to help you get rid of them and it's, and feeling that pressure and there was actually a lot of guilt and there's been a lot of guilt, especially with my first doing sleep training, there was a lot of guilt that came up at different times and still even now at 16 sometimes it pins like, oh, how has that impacted you? So I had to, and I guess I did try and work <laughs> you know, work on my kids rather than working with my kids. That was a big lesson. Yeah, I didn't trust them to share and, and to follow their lead in some ways. I felt like, no, you've definitely got all these big feelings. So we're going to hash out some of them today. And they just, they weren't ready or they weren't, it wasn't, we weren't in connection because I was, I was more of a power over. So it was something that I had to learn. And I think that was also lack of support again because I wasn't talking to anyone and I think a big change happened when I got a support listening support person because that helped me reflect a little bit more on the practices around aware parenting and that helped me I guess give my older boys a little bit of space and not to bring my my attachment to wanting them to feel better and because yeah my older son he naturally if he's upset who naturally want to go by himself. And even, you know, when I'm looking back and I think he was seven or eight, if he was upset, he'd uh, he'd sneak off and still go grab his blanket. It would be like a sense of that would help. That's how he learned to regulate. And I used to get really upset that he used that blanket and I had to really switch that around to like how beautiful he has this blanket and I can sit at the edge of the bed and work my way, you know. And it wasn't until he was 12 that I actually had the opportunity to really help him on that deeper level where he was having a really hard time at 12, moving to high school, and he couldn't sleep well and was really struggling with sleep, and it felt like it was a redo. I was able to sit at the edge of his bed and go, I'll just stay here and I'll support you, and that was such a healing time actually to be able to, but it did, it took till he was 12 for him to really, I guess, have the need and, and for it to work, for us to be able to go, hey, I'm here for you, when, especially when it comes around sleep. So it took a long time. I don't know if it necessarily would need to take that time, but for me, especially going through a divorce and there was a lot of big feelings that came up just after starting Aware Parenting. So I think in reflection, I wish I'd been a little bit more easier on myself and definitely accessing that listening partnership that was that was key because I didn't necessarily I had the answers I had the skill to reflect but I just needed to be regularly doing that and 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 have someone hold space for me and listen 
Mm. Mm. Yes. And again, it's that contrast, isn't it, between the pushing and the pressure and the the guilt that's also feels so tight when I hear you describing Mm. it. And yet I had it the same as well to feeling just open connection and and allowing um, with our children and, and just supporting and loving and connecting, but not getting like tied up in the pressure of it's it's got to look this way or or all of those feelings around yeah when we see them having these control patterns and we have that tendency to go into that judgment of ourselves that it means we've somehow failed as a parent and but that actually these are beautiful patterns that every human being has I, I love that that realization now that I have we all have these control patterns and they are beautiful things that keep us safe and it doesn't mean we failed as a parent at all it's just another way of showing us when we have capacity that it might be time to try and connect with them but if we can't that's also fine because they've got this beautiful system to keep them safe in yeah. the meantime and it's and yeah. and the same is true for us as well and I love how Marion always talks about the the antidote to like that disconnection is, is exactly connection and and that's yeah. that's all it takes in that moment and we're not trying to get rid of these control patterns we're not trying to steal our children's blanket and say no you don't need that anymore I'm yeah. going to be here for you it's just that connection with it and that that process gradually allows them to relinquish that until they replace it with something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I think, you know, like one thing for us was that, you know, especially after I divorced from my husband and so I was a single mum, we had a family bed. And so I wasn't able to listen at that time to a lot of big feelings. I was, you know, really also processing getting divorced, but just naturally sleeping together and having a big family bed again. That that met so many needs for us all to get that connection. So, you know, it, it was being, I guess, what I've learned is that connection can happen. It doesn't necessarily need to be. If, if you don't have space to listen to those big feelings, that there's other ways, you know, obviously that we can play. We can and and the family bed for me was a big one, especially when I had big feelings and it was just a bit too much simply just all going all right we're all in my room let's and you know I, I remember having there was mattresses on the floor there was the king bed and it, and it was amazing actually how just simply sleeping together mm-hmm. would just actually support us all to go all right re- reconnect reboot tomorrow's a new day mm. Mm. oh I love that yeah I, I hadn't thought for a long time actually about the power of that we had this big bed as well and we always co-slept for a long time and we were living in a shed while we were building our house and so we kind of all had to be in the same room but the fact that we had to is such a bonus and I love that sense of the power of the connection that comes just from sleeping next to each other for eight hours a night and how beautiful that is and how many needs that alone meets and how what a lovely thing to say to an exhausted parent you know you don't have to listen to all the feelings you don't have to do attachment play for hours on end you don't have to do any of this if you just curl up and sleep together it is mm. it's enough or yeah. you know, it's such yeah. a lovely that's beautiful yeah. what a lovely reminder. And, and I say that being someone that now like fourth child in I actually really struggle co-sleeping I really want my own space and I actually can you know, I've gone from really enjoying it to really like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and we don't co-sleep, you know, my, my my fourth. We haven't really really needed to either. It hasn't been saying we've had moments if she's sick or if she is going through a development thing, I'll just chuck her in bed with us. But, yeah, and I say that because I, I also know sometimes I feel the pressure that, oh, I should because I know, you know, I should co-sleep. But I've got to a point in my life where I realise now actually sleep is really important for me I wasn't when I was co-sleeping in my fourth, 
it really wasn't working for me. <laughs> and it's also okay to find, you know, and then then I flip side, I found other ways to meet our connection needs. Yeah. So it's 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 so funny how even I'm you know, same person, but all four kids I've had at different times, had different ways of being able to meet my needs and their needs for connection. And and I think the biggest lesson is being okay with that my needs are important. So sometimes co-sleeping really worked for me and I was okay with that, even with family saying, oh, you shouldn't do that and is that healthy? And then on the flip side, it's okay for me to go, actually, I don't want to co-sleep. This isn't working for me. Let's think of other strategies here Mm. to make sure that, you know, my daughter sleeps well, that she's feeling connected and safe, but that I also get some sleep Mm. (laughs) by myself. And that's been a big lesson to be okay that how it looks, it's not linear. Yeah. You know, it, it can change and it's, there's always a solution. There's always a way to make sure our kids and ourselves can feel connected but meeting everyone's needs. Mm. I mm. love that. I love that mm. so much, yeah, because it's one thing to understand that in your brain in theory. Oh, yeah, aware parenting, it's one of the priorities of aware parenting is making sure you meet everyone's needs. But then you can also get into that, yeah, well, that's great in theory, but actually how does it look in practice? But the reality is that when we're not rushing around having to placate everybody, when we are able to welcome all feelings, we don't have to put ourselves last and we don't have to make everything fair for everybody or, you know, we're just going through life and when feelings come up for somebody, we are listening to them and as much as we can, we are, you know, meeting their needs, but we're also understanding that our needs are so important. And I I got that in my brain, but I, I didn't practice it in my life mm. for years, for Me years, neither. literally. I think I was probably <laughs> aware parenting for about 14 years before I realised really that wow, my, yeah. my needs were as important and that it wasn't like somehow being selfish or whatever to to say that something wasn't working for me and that I needed things to be different. So it's it's one thing to to understand it and it's quite another thing to put it into practice. It is and it's such a common thing that I hear with women, you know, that we we know, we know about boundary setting, we know we need to stand up, you know, and like and and, and make sure we meet our needs as well. Like it's all in our head, we get it. But there is just for a lot of us, there's that blockage. There is this like, and and I I speak on it often. It's like I wonder if there's like a trust issue sometimes. Like you know, but it's is it in the feminine? You know, is it in that's within women? Because it's just such a common theme that we we know, and and when we experience it, we see the results. Yet we still seem to default a lot, and I know I still default to, oh wow, I haven't done anything for myself. And here you all are in my family getting your needs met. And it's like I just, it's like a default pattern of just, yeah, allowing my needs to just go on the wayside. And it's just such a common theme within women. I think one that we're all collectively still working on. Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) So are you willing to share a little bit about how you go about taking care of yourself when you do remember to do it? It's often really helpful and inspiring for people to hear the different ways that we practice self-care. Yeah. Now, look. Sometimes, it, it, sometimes it is just a tantrum. There, you know, I I do go to that extreme of like, you know, I lose it or something. You know, there's there's this feeling of rage that's in me, and I'm going, oh, okay. I um, I might snap, or I'm I'm really sensitive, I'm kind of reacting to things that might not necessarily usually. However, I do notice when I'm. Um, I think one thing that really has helped me is regularly meeting with women. And that that's a really healthy way that I can have some time to reflect and be in my body 
a big thing for me is I, I, t- I totally disconnect from my body. So having times where I can really feel in to what's going on in my body, dance, move, you know, look after myself in that way of connecting in my body, I just notice the more regularly I do this, the more I notice that I can then sense into, oh, my heart will ping or something, oh, there's an issue here. And I usually will, after having that time away from my family, I will usually come and go, I need to address these issues, you know, or, hey, can we have a talk about I need to allocate some more time. So, yeah, I guess and having a listening partnership, when I have a listening partnership again, I tend to have space to have those big vents and those big ah, feelings and then they're not so apparent in my day-to-day life. When I take away those support structures, I'm like a ticking time bomb, you know, one, you know, it'll be bam, 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 not okay, I'm not okay with this and and it usually takes someone else to actually reflect, hey, mum, I don't want you yelling at me or, hey, like someone will call me up, which is great sometimes. But I guess I guess that's where I've learned that having those bigger support structures are, are really necessary. I've been doing aware parenting for what over ten years now. I really hand on heart. I feel like I really understand it and I grasp it and I love it. Yet when I take away my support structures, I'm back to square one, you know, and can be like banshee woman running around going ah. So, yeah, so I don't know how inspiring. <laughs> Mine is be with other women and, and men as well, but I just find personally, um, you know, it's it's just such a, a big thing, mothering. And so when you are sitting with mothers and not even necessarily talking to each other, like I run nonverbal temples where we gather and we're actually not doing a lot of talking, which is amazing because it just allows us to really land in our body. And just having that time to be with ourselves and with other women, it's just amazing how magically you you just, you know, there's, oh, I need to make some changes here. And so a lot of the time my partner hears a lot of, hey, I need to book in some time, you know, and that may be booking in, for me, it's massages or especially during my bleed. If I'm bleeding, I need to be away from my family. I need to either create a nest and everyone knows to leave me alone. I'm in my room, I'm bleeding, or be out in nature and, and kind of get away from the busyness of family life. That's a really big one for me. If I invest in that, it makes a big difference for the whole month. So that's that's actually probably the biggest one I've learned in my time of parenting is, is rest on my bleed, be okay with moving away from, from family during that time. And and then yeah, having support, being around others. Really, for me, it helps me identify things that are going on for me is just actually being in connection with others and other women. Yeah. Mm. And I keep coming back to this again and again, the sense that that's how we were evolved to live. I mean, that's how our species actually evolved to live optimally. That is what we were doing. We were living in tribes, supporting each other in tribes, taking care of our children as a community together and we were having these regular moments throughout the day of connecting deeply with each other while we went about the business of motherhood and that role. Yeah. And of course, that's 
therefore what we need. And actually, we are so far removed from that now. And so in a way, our needs for support, for connection in that kind of way have have never been greater because never in human history have we lived so disconnected from how we're actually designed to live. So I love that reminder. And I'm I'm coming, I'm driving to Margaret River for you next (laughs) one. I want in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. It is really important. We're wired to be together. We're wired and I guess my experience of, you know, now having my my fourth, you know, I, I had her eight years after my third. So there was a big gap. And I thought, oh, I've got this in the bag. You know, we're parenting instructor. I've done all the work. I'm, and it just made me realise how much systematically we're, we're set up for failure. It is so isolating. It is really difficult. Like we can have that fantasy of, oh, we'll all catch up together and we'll all go be together and parent together, but it's actually really difficult, even though we yearn for it and we want it. The system's in place. It's it's actually really quite difficult. And here we are, you know, I'm on my fourth child. I thought I was all the wiser, yet still sitting at home, feeling really isolated at times and really going, where's community? Like I'm so, it is so triggering to be at home with your child by yourself. It doesn't matter. You know, I love my daughter. I love spending time with her. I love playing with her. But to be at home with her all day where everyone's at school or off and it's still so triggering and actually heartbreaking at times and it makes me realise, well, this is it's not about me. It's actually this. we're just not supposed to do this. We're really not. No. Mm. And any other animal in nature that we took away from its way of living and put it in a completely the opposite situation, that animal would not thrive. And so, no. of course, the same is true for us. So I love yeah. that reminder that, yes, this is what we need. And this, I think the sisterhood part of it is so important. And the, Absolutely. The connection yeah. with it all. Yeah. Oh, yum. That sounds so nice. How have you found aspects of aware parenting, like, you know, not having punishments and rewards, not offering loving limits, that kind of thing? How has your journey been with that, those aspects? Oh, it's been a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute roller coaster. And I think, and I think a big change when, you know, we moved to a country town. And so my kids went from a beautiful independent school, which I really loved. Um, to a more mainstream school and it was a conscious decision to go, okay, we we moved to the country for that freedom um, and they have gained so much from that. However, I guess tapping back into the schooling system, which is all about rewards and punishment, and that's been really challenging. And I did notice a big difference in my children when they moved into that. Like it was just naturally they... Um, yeah, became more wired to think like that as well and, and understandably so when they're, but they also call it out a lot. They also really notice some of these behaviours and go, this isn't cool. Like they they do call out a lot of what they don't like in the education system. But, yeah, I, I definitely, it's been something that the the, the learning to, as Marion says, it, the, the loving limits, the being able to lovingly say no mm. and then be okay with that whatever comes, their feelings that come from that. When you can be in your body and when you can be loving and when you are, you know, you have capacity for those big feelings, again, it's like that. It's just the same as when I first started with the newborn. It's like, gosh, I'm so connected to you and and it's like this bubble. However, I feel like there's a lot that needs to be done to be able to get to those places. Mm. And I'm, and I'll be honest, I'm with 
you know, my older children as they're getting older. I've got a 16-year-old and a, you know, 12-and-a-half-year-old and so negotiating things like screen time and, and you know, wanting them really understanding their need to their sense of belonging and, and wanting to connect with their peers, which is so focused on online means. I, you know, I, I, it is a real struggle still. My kids do go, hey, they complain about screen time that, but mother kids just get to do it whenever. And, you know, like there's this constant pushback because I think they, they can't see the full, they can't see it all. And so sometimes they're like, you're parenting. I don't know if I, you know, like they'll sometimes go, hey, especially around screen time, to be honest, most other things, they really get it. They really get it and and I think I always try and tell myself, have this mantra, connection over control, you know, especially with a 16-year-old who is at a point of his life, he really is wanting to identify who he is, have his authenticity and, and have his um, freedom. He wants freedom. So that's been challenging and, and, and it's something I've really had to and I still am working on. It's like connection, not control. This is his journey. It's not just, you know, you really have to sometimes go, this is not about me and my reflecting my parenting. Your choices are your choices. And don't get me wrong, I can still like go, um, you know, that automatic, well, you did this, you broke the thing and, you know, I want to like take the Xbox or something because we allow, you know, my oldest does have an Xbox and I want to just take immediately take it. And, and, you know, and there's been times where I have and then I have to go repair and go, yeah, we didn't actually make an agreement about that. You know, we didn't actually, because usually there is a, well, if these things don't get done or if this happens, then we're going to take this away because it's it's hindering your process of being able to do things. But it's amazing how I can naturally, you know, resort, I guess, back to my own childhood. But I think the beautiful thing is, is you can always repair. You know, we are, we're role modelling repair. Hey, that didn't work. Can I try that again? I do think it's working. It just doesn't look like the book. <laughs> it doesn't look like the book. There's a lot more repair happening and and I guess accepting. Like I, I guess I wanted to have this bubble where my children just didn't want to have tech and would be so connected that they just wanted to play Jenga with me in the evenings. And I'm like, <laughs> that's what we did. We yeah, just played yeah. Jenga and 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 board games and they were totally cool and it was like the movies where the families just really love having that and and it's not like that my kids are really allured by being able to connect with their mates on their phones and so it's a constant it's a constant I have really great limits and they know them around it and they push it's a great you know it's a great thing for big feelings to come up against so it has in one way made it easy to allow them to find that broken cookie now they're older yeah but it's certainly challenging yeah certainly and I think it's it's a challenge for all of us as parents that are raising those older kids yeah 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 thank you for sharing that really honestly I think it's it is a real struggle for all of us and when we understand the aware parenting perspective and we understand how our children are using these devices to disconnect from their feelings that's one thing but there's all the other component of, of screens and the powerful algorithms that we are up against and the big 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 business that is deliberately enticing us all into into these devices in, in its different ways and so it, it's so much more than just you know setting a loving limit with our child regarding wanting to have another piece of chocolate you know it's it's a huge huge thing that we're up against so I, I think it's a really common challenge for us as parents and 
again, it requires us again and again and again to be getting support for ourselves so that we're then really clear in our bodies. What do they really need right now? And what do I really need right now? Right now, Is it more screen time or is it a loving limit? And, and then can I be with the feelings afterwards? But it's just such an ongoing process. And of course, again, we're having our own parallel journey with it, aren't we? With our own relationship with yeah. screens too. So it's it's a huge, huge one. Oh, look, it's such a big one. And and I feel like I, I got divorced with social media. It was probably about four months ago. I just actually had this moment of like, no, this isn't healthy anymore for me. It was really, I think after COVID and all that stress, I definitely could just see this isn't working for me anymore. And so I think it actually has really helped in some ways to really step back. It has been disconnecting though. Like it's it's been really challenging to also not, Everyone uses that platform, so sometimes you miss out on events and you miss out on knowing about things. But stepping away for me, I read an amazing book. It's called Stolen Focus. Um, I highly recommend this book. It's by Johan Hari. And it's it's about why you can't pay attention. And this book, I feel like this book is a, is a new must-read as well for parents. But I think since reading that book, it's done a few things for me. It's It's given my children permission to be like, I'm not so emotionally charged with their need to want to be on screens. I get now, you know, they're against brain engineers that are like literally like employed to know how to make them want to be on them. So it's not about their willingness, you know, and I, and it's not about my parenting actually. So this book for me just gave me a bit of a breathing space that, wow, this is, this is a bigger picture than just what's happening in my house and with our limits and, and I think it's it's really making me realise, wow, where do I want to put these boundaries down when it comes to tech? I'm still learning. I don't actually know. For me personally, my kids don't, they're not interested. I talk to them about algorithms. <laughs> and they, they agree. They can see it. It's just great. They can see it. They will discuss and see how they can say, yeah, they're always showing me these videos. And so they're, we're just in the process of just being openly discussing around the kids they don't seem to want to do anything about it but they are aware of it mm-hmm. however I'm noticing for myself how much of an improvement like I turned my smartphone into a dumb phone so it doesn't have email it doesn't have any messaging besides good old-fashioned text and that's made such an impact for me made such an impact to be able to just step back but there was a while I didn't realize how much my phone had become a control pattern Mm. Did not realise, like I'd literally go to this phone that had no apps on it anymore, but I'd still just like turn the calculator on and like turn things on to just be like, no, but I'm sure there's a sense of ease here when I hold this thing. It was, it made it really apparent actually how much I was using my phone as that sense of, yeah, being able to disconnect from whatever feelings were there. And and it's, I'm really enjoying the journey. I don't know what it's going to look like because we're such a tech-driven world. So I don't know how how I'm going to fit in, but right now I'm enjoying being away from it all. Wow, yeah. And it's, it is hard and it's really hard for us as well as like aware parenting instructors too, because it's so much of our business is, is it's a tech base. It's internet based. Absolutely. Like we're doing Zoom consults and we're doing, you know, offering courses and it's all, that's all through this yeah. powerful and amazing technology. And it definitely meets lots of needs as well. But again, it's about bringing our awareness to it. And is, is this really in this moment? Is this what I need to be doing and what I want to be doing and what feels good for me? Or, or is it time to just put it down for a bit? But yeah, it, it's very yeah. hard to do it moderately, isn't it? It's really difficult. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's just so many advantages to tech. There are so many beautiful aspects to be able to support, get support and easy access, especially for people that live regionally. And there's so many positive things. But for me, I just haven't got that clear line. And I, and I can't. I keep telling myself, yep, I'm going to, and it just hasn't worked to the point where now I'm, I'm yeah, really enjoying just giving up for a little while, actually, and, and having a real clean break. But it has impacted, yeah, I, I, it's really hard. Most of my consultations were online, so it's really impacted my business. Mm. Um, however, the like it's funny how things have changed because of stopping that and I've had opening doors have opened where I, if I had continued down that path that wasn't for personally for me, it wasn't working, these other doors wouldn't have opened. Mm. So, you know, it's, I'm starting to learn that there's a bigger picture at play here and I need to like stop being in control and wanting to know how it looks and that these doors do open up so so yeah so it's a bit it's actually really exciting it's kind of exciting like well I can't do that so what else is going to happen which is a pretty nice space to be in Mm. yeah I'm hearing as well that trust that comes so much from in aware parenting trusting our children trusting ourselves trusting the process trusting the universe just trusting I guess I'm saying that in a place of privilege too because I have a partner who's also able to pay the bills and you know, like, so for a lot of your listeners listening to this, they might be like, that's great, Angela, but that's not realistic. And I really get that too. Mm-hmm. Like I've had times in my life, especially being a single mum, where we can know all the theory and know, but it's just sometimes really hard to actually, to even resource yourself in any of those areas. So some, I remember sometimes listening to podcasts and going, that sounds so great. Yet it really at that point was unachievable for me. Mm. And I think, you know, I just want to stress that to any of your listeners, listeners that they may be if they're, you know, if they're going through big things, a divorce or they're, you know, doing big changes, sometimes is still, even if you can cognitively know what you need to do, mm. you may not be able to and that's okay, but mm. you will be, things will change, things will move and you won't always be in the spot that you're in. And so you'll have opportunities later, you know, to be able to create those boundaries. That's one thing I've learned with quite a lot of adversity actually (laughs) since there's been a lot of things that have happened in my life. It's like things move. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I'm in the like this isn't fair, this is too hard. Only people with lots of money can do these things. And I have that a lot that comes up. People with money get to do this, but if you don't have money, you can't. But I'm learning that actually, you know, we can, it's it's actually human connection. That's the biggest resource, not money. It's human connection and that's free. It's hard work still. And for some people, even that's challenging. But yeah, I know for myself now that that my resource is human connection. And so I know. I'm just choosing what keeps me on track, what keeps me connected to people in my community, what keep that, and that helps me connect to myself. Oh, so lovely, so nice, and I think it's yeah, it's a lovely point about yeah, not going into judgments, not going into comparisons, not going into that, but actually coming back again and again as much as we can to that compassion and that connection. Yeah. In a way, it's so simple, and yet in a way, it's so hard to do. It but is, that's really yeah. what it is. It's about putting down the guilt sticks, putting down the comparisons, putting down the judgments that it should look at some way or this is how we should be doing it, and just really just coming back to that awareness connection compassion that's and that's all yeah. it is and if you're doing if you're doing that from time to time then you're doing it right so yeah, yeah. no my dear friend and mentor joe field she used to always share 30 percent attunement 
It's all like 30% attunement is all your kids like they need to know they're connected and safe and have that, but it's not 100% of the time. It's not all the time, you know, and I think back in the early days of my parenting, um, especially when I was really inspired by aware parenting, I think I had the I want to be, you know, textbook aware parenter. Yes. Um, And especially I think because I run a family daycare too, so I also, you know, early education is kind of my jam, so I really I guess I really felt so passionate and I really, and and I've had to learn that actually it looks different for every family. It absolutely looks different. But connection is connection. As long as that family feel connected and that's that's the biggest thing is it's not 100% of the time. Yeah. It doesn't need to be all the time. But, you know, it's those, those conscious decisions. Oh, actually, let's sit down and read a book together. Or, oh, actually, let's sit down and you know, rather than, oh, I'm going to go and just do this errand or something. It's like, actually, let's let's bring in the connection now. I haven't done much today. Let's bring that in now. And then great. And then later you might not be so, you know, into wanting to connect with your children, but you know, okay, I've put that seed in for today. We've, we've done that. And I think that was a big thing for me is to, I say lower my ex, um, expectations, but it's not in a, in a way that I, oh, I should just lessen my ideals and values, but it's like learning that actually how it looks doesn't matter as long as there's connection, mm-hmm. as long as I'm actually my children, I'm, I'm feeling connected to my child, they're feeling connected to me. It doesn't matter what is going on in this house and how it looks, but that connection can come. That connection can come, you know, if there's a willingness. And that's the bit. That's the bit. That's the bit going to sleep at night, going, oh, yeah, we're connected. Or we're not. And actually tomorrow morning I'm going to really <laughs> focus on reconnecting that. I think that's been the biggest lesson as well. Oh, I love that. I really love that. And, I mean, Elisa herself talks about this, that a beautiful, healthy family is not one where there's no conflict. It's where yeah. you know, the inevitable conflict that is going to come up again and again and again in our lives, it's where as much as we can that is handled in a way that leaves people feeling loved. And how gorgeous for our children to know that really our priority is, is going to be trying to connect with them and trying to build that connection and strengthen that. And that's like a, a beautiful, virtuous circle, isn't it? Because the more we connect, the more connected we are, and then the more beautiful our relationship is and the better our relationship withstand the inevitable disconnections that come and how easy it is at the end of those disconnections to repair and to go back to that beautiful connection again. It's really, really simple. And I love that sense of your words that it gives people the freedom not to be trying to do it perfectly or trying to somehow match what it looks like in a book, but actually just as much as you can connecting with your children, connecting with yourself. That's it. And there's seasons, there's times, there's sometimes where it can go months where it feels like, wow, we're really on track. And then it can go months where it feels like we're really off track. Mm. You know, we've got the day-to-day parenting, but then also I've really learned that there's ebbs and flows. There's ebbs and flows and and life is stressful. There's things that do show up for all of us in our family and our dynamics and 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 I think that being okay that sometimes it's feeling really nice and then sometimes it doesn't and it's not necessarily a day-to-day thing. It could be, a, you know, the seasons as well where it doesn't feel like it's flowing as easily or there's really big feelings every day and you're like, oh, my gosh, is this ever going to stop? And then, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, whoa, it has stopped. Like this thing has stopped. But when you're in it, it feels like it can go on for a lifetime. Mm. But yeah, I think I think knowing that yeah, the seasons of parenthood too, that we you won't always be in that space, even though it can feel like sometimes there's months particular things might be needing to be addressed and coming up. Everything flows with time. Oh, that's so lovely. That's so beautiful. 
So where can people find you if you're not online at the moment? Email or do you have like a phone or what? how do people connect with you? I'm really, I'm still trying to work out like where, I mean, there was a logistic issue with my website. And so instead of fixing the hack, I just went, oh, close it down. Like, so, so yeah, I guess I do have an email, which is wholesomemum at proton.me. But people are most welcome to email me. Um, I live in the Margaret River region. So I trust because for me, I think that's been a big focus is, is to work with people in my community. And especially because I'm, I'm only new to this community. I think I've been here three years now. And so I was really realising, especially with a baby, it's actually really hard to make connections, you know, especially with a toddler. You're trying to have a conversation. Then you're like, wait a minute, I've got to go run. <laughs> so I think it, it's it's actually made me really focus on I'm supporting people in my local town at the moment rather than online. But, um, yeah, I'd love to connect <laughs> if people want to email me. Sorry, it feels <laughs> pretty old school. But um, I'm totally up for connecting with anyone if they, yeah, resonate or want to connect. Lovely. That's beautiful. And I always ask at the end if you had the opportunity to go back and to tell Angela, you know, at the beginning of this aware parenting process, something that would be really helpful for her to know or something that you would share with somebody who's new in this journey, what, what would be something that you think might be helpful? Oh, I think, you know, it's that loving compassion, isn't it? I wish I could just get a really beautiful blanket and wrap her up, that that Angela, and and just tell her she's enough. I think that's the biggest thing. You're enough and you're perfectly imperfect and that is beautiful. I think that's what I would want to say, um, I guess, and to trust, trust my big feelings. I really, at the, you know, I really had a lot of insecurity around you know, am I doing the right thing? Or I, I'd lost touch of my instincts, I think, at that point. It was very foggy. And so, yeah, trust myself and also get support. Damn, girl, get some support. <laughs> Go talk to some people, even a therapist. Like, get some support because you'll feel so much better. Share the weight. Share the weight would have been, yeah, a big thing. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. I think it's so helpful to remind people again and again and again about this, about getting support, about compassionate connection. It's just, it's beautiful. I've really, really loved hearing your story. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me on, Joss. Thank you for joining me on Aware Parenting Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. To find out more, please visit my website, www.awareparenting.com.au and follow me on social media at Aware Parenting with Joss. I wish you much connection and love on your parenting adventures. Mm-hmm.